Hi there. Thank you for choosing to listen to this sermon. We pray that God would use this as an added resource to benefit you in conjunction with you belonging to a local church near you. This sermon was preached at Central Baptist Church Pretoria. 130 years of believers loving God, caring for one another and impacting the world. Well friends, it's good to see each and every one of you here this morning. Uh, I have noticed as I was looking out that there's a couple of folk that haven't been around for a while. It's good to see you guys too. Do you want to see you after the service around the quad um, for a greeting? Don't disappear too quickly if you haven't been around for a while. A couple of things have gone wrong this morning. Number one is I couldn't figure out how the church printer works. So I'm preaching off notes on my phone. Um, I'm hoping that's not going to be a distraction to you. I'm hoping it's not going to be a distraction to me. And I'm hoping that my phone's battery lasts. For those of you who have an intercessor ministry, now's the time to start praying. (laughs) Friends, turn with me in your Bibles to the book of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians. We're in the middle of a series through this epistle. If you want to know where to find it, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John in the New Testament, and then Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians, what comes next? Yes, that's right, 2 Corinthians. If you hit Revelation, you've gone too far. (laughs) You need to dial it back a bit. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And I'm going to be reading a slightly longer portion of Scripture this morning from verse 7 all the way through to verse 18. From verse 7 all the way through to verse 18. Hear the word of God. Now, if the ministry of death carved on letters on stone came with glory that the Israelites could not gaze at the face of Moses because of its glory, which was being brought to an end, will not the ministry of the Spirit have even more glory? For if there was glory in the ministry of condemnation, the ministry of righteousness must far exceed it in glory. For indeed, in this case... What once had glory has come to have no glory at all because of the glory that surpasses it. For if what was being brought to an end came with glory, much more will what is permanent have glory. Therefore, having such a hope, we are bold in our speech. And not like Moses, who put a veil over his head so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end, but their minds were hardened. For to this day, when they read the Old Covenant, the same veil remains unlifted because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, Whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. Now when one turns to the Lord, it is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit. Now where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Now we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed 
into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Just so far in the reading of God's word. Let's bow our heads and pray to Almighty God. Lord God, we have read your word. It is faithful. It is true upon it. We know we can establish all our lives. We can stake all our doctrines. This morning, Father, would you take your word and would you implant it deep in us? Would you renew our minds? Would you stir our hearts? And Lord God, by your grace and your mercy and the power of your spirit, would you transform our lives that we might be conformed to the image of your dear son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, from one degree of glory to the next, that you would be celebrated by this people. These things we pray in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, amen. And just like that, I've got sermon notes. (laughs) I don't think they descended from heaven, but I think maybe Pastor Jabu went out and helped a brother out. Let me introduce 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 7 to us this morning. But let me introduce it by giving the, the flow through God's word because it introduces a couple of ideas, a a new covenant. And obviously, if you've got a new covenant, it means that you have an old covenant. Yes, that's right. For those of you who said it back to me, thank you for staying with me. Uh, There's an old covenant. And for some in the room today, you might not know what the old covenant is, let alone what the new covenant is. And so let me key you in. And I'm going to start in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And for some of you thinking, if he starts at Genesis 1 verse 1 and he goes through every verse of scripture, we're going to be in deep trouble this morning. (laughs) But I raise Genesis 1 verse 1 out just so that I can make the point that God made everything from nothing and he set as the pinnacle of his creation man whom he created in his own image over all. But man sinned. Man transgressed. Man rebelled. Man fell short of the image of the glory of God. And through one man, Adam, sin has come to every man. And the wages of our sin is death. Not just physical death that we die at the end of our lives, but a spiritual death, an eternal separation from God. Yet, the Lord was not done with man yet. Over time, he raised up one man named Moses, whom he set over his people and called his people out of bondage in Egypt to bring them to a mountain where he would make a covenant, make a testament, make a promise with them. The old covenant, the old testament, the old promise was between God and his people Israel. And it outlined the laws, the rituals, the sacrifices that governed the relationship between God and his people people, emphasizing obedience and adherence to specific commands. 
Now let me read a short portion of scripture from Exodus chapter 34, beginning at the 27th verse. The Lord said to Moses, write these words. For in accordance with these words, I have made a covenant with you and with Israel. So he was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights. He neither ate bread nor drank water. And he wrote on the tablets of the word of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. Now just after that, in verse 29, we read the following, that when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hands, as he came down the mountain, Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking to God. Aaron and all the people of Israel saw Moses and behold, the skin of his face shone and they were afraid to come near him. God gave man this old covenant, this old testament, these old promises, but man continued to sin and man continued to die. God's holy And righteous standard was perfect. And man, because of his sin nature, could never attain to the perfection that God had written. The old covenant was enough to show him that he was a sinner. But the old covenant wasn't enough to save the sinner. Yet, the Lord wasn't done with man yet. Through his prophets, he made a promise of a covenant to come, a new covenant, a better covenant, a covenant that would be powerful to save us, even you here today. The prophet Ezekiel wrote, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you and I will remove that heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and obey my rules. Here's the big picture that I want you to take away this morning. If you're the kind of person that takes notes, now's the time to write down the following 10 words. In the new covenant, in the new covenant, you can experience glorious transformation. The big idea this morning is that in the new covenant, you can experience glorious transformation. This morning's sermon, amen. This morning's sermon, because I'm a Baptist, has three points. (laughs) And the first point you can see from verse 7 to 11, and it's this. The new covenant is glorious. The second point is from verse 12 to verse 16, and it is this. The new covenant is internal. And the third point this morning is from verse 17 to verse 18, and it's this. The new covenant is transformational. So the first point this morning, the new covenant is glorious. And we see that in verse 7 
to 11. The new covenant is glorious. Read just the first two verses of 7 to 11 together with me uh, in your own Bibles. Verse 7, it begins by reading, Now, if the ministry of death carved in letters on stone came with such glory that the Israelites could not gaze at Moses' face because of its glory, which was being brought to an end, will not the ministry of the Spirit have even more glory? Friends, mark this. The Old Covenant was a ministry of death. The new covenant is a ministry of the Spirit. When Paul calls the old covenant a ministry of death, he's not saying that the old covenant was not holy. He's not saying that the old covenant was not perfect. He's not saying that the old covenant was not right. He's saying that the old covenant has no power to save. The old covenant showed people that they were not holy, but required holiness. The old covenant showed people that they were not perfect, but had to be perfect even as our heavenly father is perfect. The old covenant showed people that they were not right, but they needed a righteousness which was not their own. The old covenant pointed people to their need for a savior. The old covenant in our text is called the ministry of death. The old covenant in our text was carved on stone. The old covenant in our text was being brought to an end. It came with some glory. It came when it was first given to the nation of Israel with thunder and lightning, thick cloud on a mountain, a very loud trumpet blast, smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. The whole mountain trembled. And the Israelites could not gaze at Moses' face. How can you beat all of that in this way? The new covenant surpasses the old covenant, because it is a ministry of the Spirit. What do I mean when I say the new covenant is a ministry of the Spirit? Remember the words of Jesus Christ. I am sending the promise of my Father. Remember later he says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper, another paraclete uh, who will be with you forever, even the spirit of truth. Just before his ascension, Jesus said, he ordered them not to depart Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise that was to come from the Father. On the day of Pentecost, when Peter stood up and addressed the nation of Israel, he said that Jesus received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, and he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. 
And then a little later, the gift of the Holy Spirit is the promise for you and for your children and for all that are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. All of this reminds us of that new covenant promise given by Ezekiel that God would put a new spirit within us. The new covenant is glorious because the old covenant was a ministry of death and the new covenant is a ministry of the spirit. Take a look at verse 9 and 10 in your own Bible. For if there was glory in the ministry of condemnation, the ministry of righteousness must far exceed it in glory. For indeed, in this case, what once had glory has come to have no glory at all because the glory that has surpassed it. The Old Testament was a ministry of condemnation. The New Testament is a ministry of righteousness. When Paul calls the Old Testament a ministry of condemnation, he's not saying that the Old Testament was not good, that the Old Testament was not true, that the Old Testament was not pure, but he is saying that the Old Testament is not able to justify you. Justify is a legal term, a judge declares you righteous. The Old Testament could not do that. People who try to be righteous by keeping the Old Testament for short of its holy standard, for short of its perfect rule, for short of its righteous conditions. The Old Covenant is actually like a mirror. When you look into it, you see how truly sinful you are. When you look into the old covenant, you see how far short of the glory of God you fall. When you look into the old covenant, you see how condemned you truly are. How is the new covenant then the ministry of righteousness? The new covenant is described as the ministry of the Spirit. There's a reason why we call the Spirit the Holy Spirit. The word holy is about his particular work that the Holy Spirit performs in our sanctification. The particular work that the Holy Spirit performs for our godliness. The particular work that the Holy Spirit performs for our righteousness. The primary task of the Holy Spirit is to lead God's people into God's holiness. R.C. Sproul says that this takes place in conjunction with, in cooperation with the power and the presence and the ministry of God, the Holy Spirit, within us. The new covenant is glorious because the old covenant was a ministry of condemnation. The new covenant, however, is a ministry of righteousness. Read in verse 11 together with me. For 
if what was being brought to an end came with glory, much more will that which is permanent have glory. The old covenant was fading away, but the new covenant, it is permanent. When Paul says that the old covenant was being brought to an end, he's not saying that the old covenant is good for nothing. No. All scripture is God-breathed and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. The law still reveals to us the holy character and eternal glory of God. But even as it came in glory, that glory was temporal. Even as it came in glory, that glory was diminishing. Even as it came in glory, that glory was fading away. Not so the new covenant. The new covenant saves to the uttermost. The new covenant sanctifies to holiness. The new covenant glorifies to eternity. The new covenant is a permanent covenant and its promises do not rely on you. Its promises rest in God who is eternal, immortal, and omnipotent. The new covenant is glorious because the old covenant was fading away and the new covenant is permanent. Maybe to describe it like this, the old covenant is like a match. You go into a dark room and you take a match and you strike it. And it lights up the room for a moment. It brings some light. The old covenant had some glory. But if you had to walk outside right now with your box of matches and strike a match under the noonday sun, the bright sun of midday, that match would be insignificant in comparison to the light of the sun. The old covenant is like the match. The new covenant is like the sun in all of its glories. It surpasses the old covenant. Friends, the new covenant is glorious. Second point, the new covenant is internal. The new covenant is internal. And we're going to see that from verse 12 through to verse 16. Read verse 12 together with me. Therefore, having such a hope, we are very bold in our speech. The hope of the new covenant emboldens believers. In light of the the glory of the new covenant, those who are ministers of the new covenant, hear me now, servants of the new covenant. That's me preaching this morning. And it is you in your dealings with your family and with your friends and with your co-workers. In light of the glory of the new covenant, those who are ministers of the new covenant, we hold nothing back. Our hope is an absolute assurance that every glorious promise of the new covenant will come to pass. This hope compels us to share the good news far and wide. The hope of the new covenant emboldens believers. 
verse 13. Not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. Friends, the glory of the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, was being brought to an end. Moses didn't wear the veil after his meetings with God because the people were afraid to come near him. It was so that the diminishing glory of his face would not be observed because the glory was fading. The glory was dissipating. Moses did not wish the Israelites to be watching his face each and every time the glory faded little by little until it was gone. Unlike Moses, who wore a veil to conceal the temporary glory of God of the old covenant, we boldly proclaim the permanent glory of the new covenant. The glory of the old covenant was being brought to an end. Verse 14 to 16, read together with me. But their minds were hardened. For to this day, when they read the old covenant, that same veil remains unlifted because only through Christ it is taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. Now, when one turns to the Lord, that veil is removed. Friends, the hope of the new covenant is revealed through Christ. The, the literal veil across Moses' face is now used as a figure of speech. Figuratively, this veil that keeps Israel from understanding the old covenant even that they read today. Their minds are hardened and their hearts are veiled. Jews presently have a faulty understanding of the law. They keep on thinking that the law will save them. It will not, because they are unable to keep the law perfectly. Instead of using it to reveal sin as a mechanism, they use it for self-righteousness. And through it, they condemn themselves rather than save themselves. How can Jews be saved? By turning from this works-based self-righteousness, which is no righteousness at all, and putting their faith and their trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Only by coming to Christ is the spiritual veil removed. Now the heart in our text is the inner person. It is the seat of Thoughts, it is the seat of emotions, it is the seat of affections. The heart is often equated with the mind, it is the seat of our intellect, and it denotes a man's entire mental and moral activities. When is the right time for you to turn to the Lord? Our text says that when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. And so, friend, now is the right time to turn to the Lord. Why would you delay? Jesus bled and died for your sins. He rose from the grave that you might have life. Turn to him today. To turn is to revert. To turn is to come about. 
To turn is to come around. To turn is to turn toward, to return, to convert. When an unsaved person repents, turns to the Lord, the Spirit takes their life and turns it around that they might be able to live for their Savior. Previously, they were hellbound. Now they are heavenward. Repent, therefore, and turn back that your sins might be blotted out, that times of refreshing might come from the presence of the Lord and that he might send Christ, the appointed one for you, Jesus. Call on the name of the Lord and be saved. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of your salvation. The hope of the new covenant is revealed through Christ. So we've looked at two points. The new covenant is glorious, verse 7 to 11. Number two, the new covenant is internal. Verse 12 to 16. Point three. The new covenant is transformational. Verse 17 and 18. Read the first half of verse 17 together with me. Now the Lord is the Spirit. The new covenant is empowered by the Spirit. The main sense of the word Lord in the New Testament is that of the supreme one, is that of the divine one, is that of the one who is sovereign over all, the one that possesses authority over all, the one who has absolute ownership of all, the one who is uncontested in power. The main thought of the Lord in Scripture is that of God and Jesus is the Lord because Jesus is God. Now I say that Jesus is the Lord in this verse because the previous verses make that clear. In verse 16 we read that when one turns to the Lord, that veil is removed. And in verse 14 we read that that same veil remains unlifted because only through Christ it is taken away. Jesus is the Christ, the Christ is the Lord, Jesus is the Lord in verse 17. And the Lord is the Spirit. The Lord is the Spirit. Paul doesn't mean that Jesus and the Spirit are the same person. No, he, they remain distinct. Uh, he means that Jesus and the Spirit share a common essence. This is no different to Jesus saying, I and my Father are one. He means that the Son of God is of the same essence as the Father of God. In this verse, we understand that the Spirit of God is of the same essence as the Son of God. This is the mysterious trinity, one in essence and yet three distinct personalities. Ezekiel prophesied, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you and I will remove that heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit within you. Friends, the new covenant is empowered 
by the Spirit of God. The second half of verse 17. Now, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. The new covenant is freeing. Freedom stands in opposition to slavery and bondage. What have we as believers been set free from? We've been set free from sin. We've been set free from the penalty of sin by Jesus Christ. We were once enslaved to sin, but at the moment of conversion, we were emancipated. We were freed from sin's bondage. And one day, we will be set free even from the presence of sin in our lives as we worship God in glorified bodies forever and ever. But in the present, we are being set free from the power of sin. We are being freed from its clutches. We are being freed from its shackles. We are no longer under the power of sin. If we are in Christ, we have the Spirit of God. And that in that, the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit, we have freedom. This isn't the right to do as we wish this is the right to do this is the responsibility and the power to behave as we should I was reading Spurgeon this week and he reminded me that where the spirit of the Lord is there is freedom and that freedom grants us particular rights and privileges let me tell you a couple of the rights and privileges you have in Christ with the Holy Spirit within you. You are free to heaven's charter, the Bible, to all of its doctrines, to all of its promises. It is the bank of heaven, and you can draw from God's word as much as you please without hindrance. Also, you are free to the throne of grace. It is the privilege of every believer that is in this house this morning that we can always send petitions to the throne of God because our heavenly Father hears the prayers of his children. Also, we are free to enter the church. Don't remain outside of God's church any longer. You have the right to come in. Also, we are free to heaven. When a Christian dies, he knows that the password to the gates of heaven will make the gates fly wide open and receive him with open arms. Because where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom and the new covenant is freeing. Lastly, verse 18. Now, we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of God are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Friends, this is the climax of this entire chapter. The new covenant is transformational. Yeah, we come to the climax. Yeah, is the primary application for those of you who are believers. Don't miss this. This is amazing. You and I share the image of Jesus Christ. There is a way, a sense in which we are an icon of Jesus, a stamp of Jesus. This doesn't mean that you will become omnipotent, 
This doesn't mean that you will become omniscient. This doesn't mean that you will become omnipresent. It means that his character and his attitude should increasingly be reflected in your lives. We are not becoming little gods. We are becoming increasingly godly. For Mark, for me, to become godly, Mark will need to go from being a worm to being a butterfly. Mark will need to go from being a tadpole to being a frog. Mark will need to be transformed, and that's exactly what this Greek word means that's translated here. It's the word metamorpho. It's where we get the word metamorphosis from. The change that is in view here is not a superficial fluctuation, a passing fad. The change that is in view here is a vital change revealing a completely new life inside of you. Transformation describes the process by which that on the inside comes forth to the outside such that everyone can see it. Our outside begins to reflect what the Spirit of God is doing on our inside. The word transformation here is in the present tense. It is a present tense activity. Uh, This means that it's an ongoing process. It will not be completed until we see Jesus in our glorified bodies. The word transformation here is in the passive voice. It is a passive voice activity. The power to produce the transformation inside of you isn't you. We are being transformed by the Holy Spirit. The word transformation here is a progressive activity. We are being transformed from one degree of glory to the next so that for the rest of our lives, the Holy Spirit changes us from the worm that he found to the butterfly he would have us be. Everybody wants to know, how do I change? How do I deal with the sin that so easily entangles me? This is so practical in our text. Let me show you. It says, as we behold the glory of the Lord, as we carefully study Jesus, as we turn our eyes upon Jesus, as we look full in his wonderful face, as we observe his humanity in the gospels, as we observe his character in God's word, as we observe his attributes in scripture, as we see his will laid out for us in the Bible, as we maintain a relationship with him through his word, as we depend on him in prayer, as we are preoccupied with Christ, we are changed as we see the glory of God in the Son of God by the Word of God. The Apostle John writes, beloved, we are God's children now, and what we, have, what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him, because we shall see Him as He is. And the Apostle Paul writes, 
When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will appear with him in glory and elsewhere. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. This morning, we've gone through three points in this text. The new covenant, the new testament, the new promise is a better promise for you because number one, it is glorious. Number two, it is internal. Number three, it is transformational. And the big idea this morning has been that the promise of the new covenant is a promise of transformational power. Let me pray that God might make it so in our lives. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, I do thank you for your word. And this morning, I thank you for your word once again, because in it, we see Jesus. And from this text, we have read that as we behold him, as we behold his glory, as we behold his beauty, his splendor, his majesty, his character, his qualities, that Lord God, we are transformed from one degree of glory to the next. Thank you, Lord, that we don't live under a covenant of death, a covenant of condemnation, but we live under a living covenant, a covenant of life, a covenant of joy, a covenant which points us to the person of Jesus Christ. Even, Lord God, as we enjoy the promises and benefits which flow to us from this covenant, might we enjoy the Holy Spirit of God within us and might he continue this work of transforming us from one degree of glory to the next, that we would reflect your son, Jesus Christ, increasingly in this dark world, that we might glorify him and praise his awesome name in the world to come. These things we pray in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon. Find out more about Central Baptist Church at www.central.org.za.